0: The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm excited to get into the Word. There's there's something in me that I want to share with you. I don't know... uh, uh, if, if it's something that can relate or translate, but I had a, uh, a, a bit of a, uh, a challenge over this week. I mean, you know, things can be tough. You get busy, you have things that you, you have plans, and then your plans don't go like they're supposed to. Does that happen to you or is it just me? I mean, it happens to you. Okay, I'm glad to know that it's not just me. So I had a, a number of plans, and it seems like everything was piling up and then I, I finally had kind of the master plan to see things through. You know, if I can get this person over here doing this, and I can get that person over there doing that, and I can be over here doing this, then it's all going to work, you know. And you kind of keep telling yourself that, right? It's all going to work. It's all going to work. Uh, I, I'm kind of notorious. That's, that's one of my catchphrases. It'll work out. It'll work out. And it does. It does. Sometimes it's just not how you'd like it to work out. So I'm, I'm in this place where I, I've decided, here's the plan. You've got to understand, too, it's something that I'm not really looking forward to. There are jobs that I like doing. I mean, like I enjoy it. I, I really get a kick out of it. It's almost strange, you know. But when you know what is ahead and you, you know that you've got to knock something out and it's going to be a, a little bit taxing or maybe it's going to take more from you than you're normally used to, to having to give. It can be kind of like the, the mountain that's standing in your way, right? And of course, we have that faith that, that can move those mountains. Well, this literally was a mountain. Uh, there was a a job that, that we had been hired to do to move a, a lot of, of rock. So they, they truck in the rock and, you know, and you're, you're in this location, and you, you wait, and the truck comes, you know. And well, he went to the wrong spot, so I have to chase him down. I don't run very well. Like, I remember once deciding that I was going to try running, okay. And so I went, and I jogged through the neighborhood, and I come home, and, and my wife is laughing. And I'm thinking, it was so funny, you know. And she said, I could hear you a block away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, if I'm ever running, that means something bad has happened and you should probably join me in running in the same direction that I'm going. I do not run for recreation. So I chase down the truck. Whoa, 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 where are you going, you know? Come over here, get him, <coughs> get him to dump what his, his load there. He backs up and he dumps it and, I mean, it just keeps coming. It just keeps coming and coming and finally he pulls away and there's literally this, this mountain of rock. There's, there's 30,000 pounds of of rock by the time they're done dumping it. I mean, it's an enormous amount. And and so our job then is to move this rock. Now, normally we would do that by getting equipment, you know, and that's what I like doing. You know, where you get in, it's like beep, beep, beep. I just back up just to hear the beep, you know. You get in the equipment and you start moving stuff around. Well, because of the nature of this job, we can't use equipment. So it's going to be like, this is called Egyptian style, right? And, and there's a reason why they had to whip people to do this, right? Because nobody wants to do this. This isn't fun, right? They, we have shovels and wheelbarrows, and it's just slow going, and we're moving the rock. And then we have to take the rock, and we have to go all the way through the property to the very middle. And then, and then you know, we dump it out and, and go back and do it all over again. Well, I have a, a deadline to meet, and, and I'm shorthanded. I've got one guy with me, and I've got the plan, though. Me and this guy, we're going to do it, you know. This is going to be one for the books. We're going to look back on this, and it's going to be a total success. And we're, we're moving, and I'm, 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 I'm starting to feel it, you know. It's going to work. It's going to work. And, and then my guy comes up to me, and, and, and I like this guy. And he just says, hey, man, I'm, I'm not going to be any good to you. I, I got to go. And I'm, I just stepped back, like literally, because I'm thinking, I need a translation. What does that mean? You're not going to be any good to me. And he said, well, you know, it's like if, if, if we're on the same team and someone gets injured, you know, it's no good if I'm out there playing. I, I, I need to just go because, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to slow you down. And I thought, how could you possibly, if you're here helping me, even, even if you are really slow, how will it slow me down? <laughs> you know, I, I just got to go. So then, now all of a sudden, my plan is wrecked, right? Because my one, my one guy that's helping me is now gone. It's just me. And I'm thinking, okay, well, <clears throat> at least I know it can't get any worse, right? Oh, yeah. And I've got all this in my head, and I'm thinking, i gotta, I got to keep moving. I've got to keep moving. And the whole time, I'm staring at this mountain, just thinking, like, with every little scoop. It's going to get smaller. You know, it's going to get smaller. I'm going to win. And I, I've got this now in my mind that I have to stay so focused on this, this this, job, this task, this mountain, and I'm fixated on it. It's all I can think about, you know. And, and I, I load up a wheelbarrow and I, you, know, you pick it up and then you get to walking with it and you get all that momentum going. And I just hear, hey, Preston. And I look up and and it's one of the properties' maintenance men. It's the head maintenance guy. I like this guy. He's a great guy. But let me tell you something. When I hear, hey, Preston, do you have a second? That doesn't end well for me, ever. The only reason why he ever comes and talks to me is when he needs something done or we're not doing something right or something's broken or something like that. He's never come up to me and been like, "You know, hey, Preston, let's talk about your hobbies and the things you like. You know, he's always coming up to me and saying, hey, Preston, we need this done, this done, and this done. You know, we've got complaints, and we need this done. So I hear, hey, Preston, do you have a second? And, I've, you know, I'm holding this rock up, and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, does it look like I have a second? You know? I mean, are you, are you kidding me? And I, I look twice. I, look, I mean, I look down at the rock, and I look up at him, and I, I say, yeah, and I set it down. And I'm just getting ready for it. I know I'm about to hear, you know, this list of things now that I have to do in addition to moving this mountain, you know. And I, I, I walk over to him and call him by name. So, you know, what, what can I do for you? And, and here's what he says. He says, uh, I know that you are a spiritual man. My brother was just hospitalized with COVID-19 could we pray together right here for him? And I mean, I just paused and thought, okay, yeah. And, and, and because I'm tired, now he might have thought because I'm a spiritual man, because I'm tired, I knelt down. <laughs> I mean, my legs were shaking. And he kneels down and he raises up his hands, you know, and I begin to pray and he's praying with me. And now this is like where he works, and there are people, residents and, and people that live in the apartments that are walking kind of around us, because we're right by the mailboxes, you know, and I just figure these people are about to participate in a prayer meeting, and they don't even know it, and we're letting it rip right there. And then, of course, you know, we, we close the prayer, and he gets up, and, and we exchange uh, some, some words of encouragement to each other, and, and then part ways, and I get back to it. Well, needless to say, I mean, it took the rest of the day, but the mountain eventually disappeared. But here's what what blew my mind about the day, and it's really kind of the foundation for the message, was I got so distracted by work, so distracted by the mountain that was in front of me, so distracted by all the tasks that I believe I'm supposed to get done on a deadline, that I forgot something, and this man reminded me that I'm a spiritual man. And the same is is for you. I mean, you're a spiritual person. God has a call on your life to do great things. And we get so fixated on the stuff that we have to do. And I put that in in little, you know, metaphoric quotes there. Because we think that matters. The reality is God has a call on our life. A call to do great things, powerful things. to, To be present for people in their time of need. To help free them from their oppression in their mind and even physically. To to be a source of liberation and everything good in the kingdom of God is supposed to flow through our lives. And I realized something. You know, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'm staring at this mountain of rock and I'm seeing a chore. And what I need to realize is that I'm alive and well and functioning today to be a catalyst for everything in the kingdom of God. And I want to talk to you just about that in, in the call upon your life. Now, a lot of this is going to sound familiar because... At times we discuss this, it's an important thing. But here's a few things that we'll find when we go through the scripture together. One, what God gives us. God gives us something. Gives us something. It's important to, to know what that is. Another thing we're going to find is who we are. So one, God gives us something, two, who we are, and then three. What makes a way or what opens the door for blessing? So I want to jump right in and, and move quickly here. What God gives you, what God gives me, what God gives us. If you have your Bibles or you want to write it down for your notes, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. It says this, and it says this very plainly. It's speaking to you, so if you're the reader, this information is directed at you. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing. I have an anointing. As a Christian man or a Christian woman, you have an anointing given to you by God. That's confirmed in in 2 Corinthians 1.21 where you see that the the one who is God, who established us in Christ, also anointed us. I mean, you became a Christian, and and God blessed you and granted you the anointing. Now, I enjoy the word anointing. I like talking about the anointing, and I I like to to minister with, with the forefront being on the anointing that God's given us. And I want, to, I want to talk about that for a moment. One, just the idea of what anointing is. I want to give you my personal definition. Now, you've probably heard it before if you've been in services in the past, but I want to share it with you again for the purpose of today's message. This is Preston's definition of anointing. It's God's ability as my enablement. God's ability is my enablement. All the things that he's capable of doing bestowed upon me in the situation or circumstance that I'm in. God's ability is my enablement. God making me able to do all of the things that he can do. So by definition, the word ability. Remember, God's ability is your enablement. Ability to possess the means or skill to do something. ability, to possess the means or skill to do something. God has tremendous ability. I mean, he can part the seas, he can raise the dead, he can heal the sick, he can multiply the, the, the bread, and he can turn the water to wine. I mean, all of the biblical miracles and all of the things that you see, you see is the ability of God. But that enablement is released through me and you. In the accounts that we see in the scripture, we see the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. Jesus being enabled with all of the abilities of God. And he functions and ministers and performs these signs and wonders. Ability, by definition, again, meaning to possess the means or skill to do something. Then enable, by definition, enable, to give the authority or means to do something or to make possible. So by my definition, if, if anointing, if the anointing that's on my life means God's ability as my enablement, it means now it's possible for me to do the things that God can do. God flowing through my life, God moving in power through my existence, bringing into existence His will and bringing it to pass in great and magnificent ways. The anointing that's on your life is powerful. I want you to think for a moment about the the recorded ministry of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. You know, I mean, whatever your mind goes to first. I mean, it it could be something that you remember from Sunday school when you were a kid. It could be healing the sick. I mean, it could be raising the dead. It could be coming out of the grave. It it could be any number of things that just simply sum up the power that Jesus ministers in in the recorded Gospels. And then I want you to, to hear this passage of Scripture out of Luke. Now, Jesus is saying this in Luke, but he's quoting it from the book of Isaiah. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Now, I always stop right there, and I think about, just for a moment, the importance of this statement. The idea that the Holy Spirit is in our lives, active through our lives, the Spirit of God being upon you, there's a reason for that. Not just to make you feel better about yourself or prove that you're a Christian, but rather there's a purpose behind it. Jesus is revealing this as he's quoting Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because, because God anointed me. He made his ability to be my enablement. God has anointed me and anointed me to do what? Why would he do this? Well, Jesus gives a list of things to preach the gospel to the poor to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and proclaim the favor of God. Now, this is a passage of Scripture that I want for every believer to be able to claim for themselves. This isn't simply exclusive to Jesus, but you and I could wake every morning and declare and proclaim this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. He's anointed me to bring release from captivity and freedom from oppression. He's anointed me to open up blind eyes. He's anointed me to proclaim his favor. Now, one of the challenges to this is our daily lives, the distractions, like that goofy story earlier about that mountain of rock that had to be shoveled. We get fixated on things that don't matter, and we get so focused on them that we can forget the things that do matter, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, Because, because God has anointed you and anointed you to do great things. When Jesus' life is described, it's described in Acts chapter 10. And I want you to hear this description. I mean, it's a brief description. It's not like a biography was written, but it's simply a statement about Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. You know, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him. Now, we're focusing on the word anointed. I mean, if I were studying right now, I'd be circling the word like, hey, there it is again. You know, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. What an incredible description. Now, here's what I want to offer to you. Do you believe that the same anointing that God placed upon Jesus, that God has placed upon you, the scripture declares that, positions this verse to describe your life too? I believe wholeheartedly, yes, it does. I want to live my life in such a way that when I'm being described, someone could say, you know, Preston Humphreys, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good, freeing those who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. I mean, this is a call that we have upon our lives. The question is, is this a call that we embrace and that we walk in? I got news for you. Earlier in the week, I was so fixated on a pile of stupid rocks that I forgot the call on my life. That when someone said, excuse me, can I have a minute of your time? My first thought was, no, I'm busy. But then when I was reminded, wait a second, this is why I live. When you pull me aside and say, hey, I know you. I know that you're a spiritual person. I mean, he didn't quote Acts chapter 10 verse 38, but he was saying there's a reputation here. That you live differently than most. That, that I can't just go over there or over there. I can't just grab him or go and talk to her. But I'm coming to you and I'm coming to you on purpose because of this reputation. Will you help? That's what I live for. That's what we're called to live for. I understand that we live daily lives, that we have routines, that we have jobs, that we have responsibilities, and that we have duties, but I want to charge you with this. Those duties, those responsibilities, those daily lives are not our identity. They're definitely things that we do, but they're not who we are. God's given us a tremendous identity. I want to talk about that in just a moment. I want to talk about that after we talk about the anointing and what it does. Let me give you a passage of scripture here concerning the anointing and what the anointing does. You have been given an anointing. There's no doubt about that. So what does that do? I'll give you a passage of scripture out of Exodus, Exodus chapter 40, and I want to read verses 13 through 15. God's talking about the anointing, and then he talks about what the anointing does accomplishes or or what it does here in the last part of this passage. I want to read it to you, Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 13. Now he's talking uh, uh, to Moses about Aaron, he's speaking about the priesthood and he says, you shall put holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him so that he may minister as a priest unto me. You'll bring his sons, and you'll put tunics on them, and you shall anoint them, even as you anointed their father, that they may minister as priests to me. Now here's the part that I want us to catch. And their anointing will qualify them for a perpetual priesthood throughout the generations. The anointing is a qualification to function as a priest unto God. Now, I want to read you a few passages of Scripture. I, I told you before was, we were going to find out who we are. Let me give you one out of Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. You'll see similar passages in Hebrews 3.1 and Matthew 12.50. Now then, you indeed will obey my voice and keep my covenant. Then you shall be a possession of mine among all the people's. For all of the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Uh, here's a few more passages of Scripture. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. To him, speaking to Jesus, who loves us and releases us from our sins by his blood, he made us to be a kingdom of priests to God the Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you also are living stones being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim his excellencies uh, as he has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I want to give you one more. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. We read that earlier. I want to give you a passage out of Revelation again. Uh, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and to purchase for God from your blood men from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. I mean, it's a lot of reading. I even get a little clumsy reading that much. But did you see a common thread through those passages about who we're called to be? Did you see the word priest used throughout there? We're a kingdom of priests, a nation of priests. The anointing that God has placed upon our life is still qualifying or marking or identifying Us as those who are priests unto the Most High God. The anointing is on my life and the anointing is on your life so that we can carry out the will of God, the ministry of God. We're called to be priests. Now this can be a challenge to us in our minds because of our vocabulary, because of how things have changed. I remember working with a team in Oklahoma. I was pastoring there and and there was a a staff of three or four young pastors, and and they were going, uh, we were talking about this, and it was a real issue for them. And we were talking about the idea that they were, were functioning as pastors, you know. Well, I think that's a fine thing, but really the truth is the word pastor is not even in the Bible. You might find the word pastor as a translation, but the real word is shepherd. I mean, the word pastor was a word that was used after the Reformation, so that we could identify those who were, were leading congregations as something other than father or priest. It was, it was basically not to appear Catholic. They were using the word pastor. But the identity is, is necessary. We've got to get back to the word priest. I mean, it's kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater if we just eliminate the word priest because you have a call upon your life to function and operate as a priest to the Most High God. You have the anointing on your life identifying you, qualifying you as a priest to the Most High God. There's a reason why when you live your life, those around you ought to see the difference in your life be drawn to you and come to you to receive from you. You are marked by the anointing as one who functions and operates In the abilities of God, enabled by his ability. It's an interesting thing to consider. And I have to think one of the greatest tragedies that's ever happened in the church is the separation from the word priest. That during a Reformation, we would say, well, that sounds too Catholic, so let's do away with it. I got news for you. The word priest is Christian. The word priest is 100% Judeo-Christian. God has called us to be a holy priesthood, a nation of priests. The anointing is on your life, marking you as a priest, one who would serve and carry out the will of God. And to separate ourselves from the term priest, to just become member. I'm a church member, and that's my pastor is to step into something that Jesus hates. The book of Revelation, Jesus says, I hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, this is kind of a weird thing, and, and you, can, you can think, well, that just sounds odd. Well, you have to know what he's saying when he says Nicolaitans. It's, it's two Greek words put together. Nico, like, you know, how many of you have any products that are Nike, right? It's just, it's just a word meaning victory or, or to conquer. Nico To conquer, Laetons, the layperson, the the church member. He says, I hate it when, when there are people who are in charge of or lord over the congregation. The congregation is meant to all function as priests. If we have church members and pastors, we have failed to see what God's called us to. He's called every single believer to function and operate as a priest in his house. You have an anointing. You have a call upon your life. Do we function and operate in different ways? Sure we do. We have different personalities. We have different callings. We have different things stirring in each one of us. But if we give in to a mentality that there are church members and there are pastors, then we miss out on on the biblical call to function and operate as priests. I want to tell you why this is important and how this works. I mentioned to you before that we would find what makes a way for blessing. I want to offer a passage of Scripture to you, and I want to read through it, and then I want to share some thoughts on it with you. You know, what makes a way for blessing? I want to give you this passage of Scripture out of Numbers. Numbers Chapter Six, Verse Twenty Two Numbers Chapter Six, Verse Twenty Two, you see Aaron operating as a priest. Now, this is recorded as a very rich piece of history. It's also an example for each of us. There's instruction being given for for what the priest is meant to do and how he's meant to function or how uh, that priest is meant to function. In this case, he is Aaron. In verse 22, you see, the, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to Aaron, that's the priest, and speak to his sons. Those are the priests, just like you and me. And say, thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them. So what you see here is God's giving instructions. He's saying, hey, go get the priest and then let's tell them what they're supposed to do. Let them know that they are to bless people. Let them know that they are to do the following. And this is where we get what we call Aaron's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Now we know that as, as the, the, of Aaron's benediction, this blessing that's being released, but I want you to see the sentence that follows after this instruction is given. So the priest shall invoke my name on the people and then I will bless them. Now remember you're called to be a priest. You have an anointing on your life to be a priest. Did you see something in that last line when God's giving these instructions? The priest shall invoke the blessing on the people or the, the excuse me, the priest shall invoke the name of God on the people and then God will bless them. I want to make sure I say that clearly because this is really the point. The priest shall invoke the name of God on the people and then God shall bless them. If you take this sentence and we were to write it out if we had a big whiteboard here the priest shall invoke the name of God on the people then God will bless them. You see step you see step 1 and then a result. You see cause and effect. You see first the people shall invoke the name of God then God will bless them. What would happen if priests began to to not invoke the name of God? What would disappear? Blessings. I mean, if I were Satan, if I were our enemy, I would want to get people so far removed from their identity as being priest that they wouldn't for one moment feel that they were qualified or called to invoke the name of God. I would try to take away that identity from every single believer in order to limit, in order to hinder the outflow of blessings. But you're a priest. You have an anointing. You have a calling upon your life to invoke the name of God, and the result is blessing. Just like what's written there. And oftentimes, you know, we, we, we pursue a life of prayer and other disciplines, and I've got news for you. I've been in prayer meetings before that I literally thought, this, I think there's better use of our time. I mean, we, we, we've come to a place where we pray for people, but we don't ever invoke the name of God. We don't ever function like priests. We've been trained, but we've been trained in the wrong way. And I'm not throwing rocks at that. I'm simply offering thoughts. Do you think for a moment, if we were to ask God, Father, will you renew my mind and take all of the, the, the ways that I've been trained? If there are doctrines of men that are unfruitful, let them, let them be revealed and cast out. I want to see your call on my life in the word to function as a priest. I want to learn how to invoke your name. I want to know how to see blessing released in the lives of people around me as I walk in the calling that you've placed upon my life as a priest in the holy nation that you've called into existence. I mean, that's really the idea behind the message. So, you know, when we talk about invoking the name of God, I mean, the word invoke there, I want to give you a definition for that. Invoke the name of God. To cite or appeal to something or someone, in this case someone, as having authority for action or support. To cite or appeal to someone that has authority for action or support. I mean, let me give you just a real basic, pretty watered down example. Uh, if, If somebody were breaking into a house and you called the police, you would be invoking the police. You would be calling on someone who had authority to do something about it for help. You and I have the anointing upon our life to call upon the name of the Lord as an authority in that situation for assistance, for action, or for support. To invoke the name of the Lord. I want, to, I want to give you a few uh, things from the Scripture here. Now, we've, we've given some of these before, but I've always wanted to point out and have pointed out in the past, even the banners that we have here in the sanctuary, these are all different names of God, identities from the Scripture that God's given us. I mean, you could invoke any of these names, Rafa, Healer, you know. I mean, uh, uh, Jireh, uh, the Lord will provide, and, and you have uh, uh, Shema over here which would mean uh, present or hears, uh, that he's he's in the room, that he's listening. I mean, you have these identities of God that we are called to invoke in the situations and the circumstances that we deal with, with uh, the calling upon our life to see his authority or his action or his support released. Let me give you a a few of these just for your notes. I mean, I'm going to read through them quickly. I know it's tedious, but if you want to write them down, it's worth it. Let me tell you what I did this morning with these. I looked every one of them up and read the context. Just because I, I wanted to remind myself of the context. Uh, Genesis twenty-two fourteen 14 is where you see Yahweh Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, or Jehovah Jireh. I say Yahweh, but that's however you want to say it. The Lord will provide. I've heard that name you know, called upon for, for times where provision was needed a number of different ways. I can tell you the context there was when a sacrifice was needed, God made provision. When a sacrifice was needed, God made provision. This is the identity of the one who would send His Son Jesus Christ on to take our place on the cross. Where a sacrifice was needed, God would provide. <clears throat> I'll give you another passage of Scripture, Exodus 15:26. Uh, that's where you'll find Rapha, Jehovah, or Yahweh Rapha, the Lord that heals. God is making this, this call this, to, to his people, saying that to keep my statutes, to keep my ordinances, the plagues of Egypt will not come upon you, for I am the Lord that heals. Uh, Exodus 17.15, Yahweh Nisi, N-I-S-S-I. Uh, most people would translate it banner or victory. A, a good interpretation is victory. A good translation is banner. The banner was to signify victory. God is our victory. I mean, this, this comes at a time w- when a tremendous breakthrough and victory in warfare uh, came to pass miraculously. Uh, Exodus 31.13, Yahweh Mekadesh, the one who sanctifies or sets apart. I'm going to read through these quicker just for time's sake. Judges 6.24, Yahweh Shalom. That's the God of peace. He's revealing his name. Peace. And let me tell you something about this. This is an interesting, I just mentioned I was going to move fast and here I am slowing down. The fact that God would identify himself as the God of peace. I want us to become acquainted with the word Shalom. It's a Hebrew word. And, and, you know, maybe you want to look it up or do something like that. That's fine. But I I want to offer this to you. Throughout the scripture, you'll see shalom uh, translated a couple of different ways, and both are right. One is peace, and the other is rest. Like when God tells uh, Moses, I will go with you, when Moses says, we need you to go with us, if you don't go with us, we're just like everybody else. The only thing that sets us apart in this world is your presence. God answers and responds and says, I will go with you, and I will give you rest. Well, what he said was, I will give you shalom. And I have to ask myself this at times. You know, there are times where I don't feel like I'm walking in peace. And I have to ask myself, well, have I been resting? If they're one and the same, I don't think you can have one without the other. They're the same thing. If we want peace but we refuse to rest, we are chasing after something that cannot be captured. It is a red herring, so to speak. And I just think it's good for us to have an understanding of that word. Peace and rest are one and the same. All right, let me move on here. Uh, Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. I mean, that's the commander of all the armies of heaven. That's in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, El Elyon, or the Most High God, Psalm 717. Uh, Yahweh Ra'ah is Psalm 23.1, that's uh, my shepherd. Let me tell you something about that. To invoke that name, when, when you're dealing with folks or, or individuals or people that are in desperate need for direction, they, they don't know which way to go, I would invoke the name. You know, we, we celebrate uh, uh, Yahweh Ra'ah, the Lord our shepherd. He guides us. He leads us. Uh, Hosanu is our maker, Yahweh Hosanu, uh, Yahweh Tzidkanu, sorry, Hosanu, is Psalm 95.6, Tzidkanu, that's T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U, Tzidkanu, it's, it's one of those awkward Middle Eastern pronunciations, our righteousness, you'll find that in Jeremiah 23.6, but that's literally the name of God, that he is the God, our righteousness. Uh, Shema, like we have on the banner there, that God is present or he hears, Ezekiel 48, 35. Uh, Shema is an important word uh, to the Jews. They, they, will, they will recite what they call the Shema. Shema Israel Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. It's, it's one of the, the, the creeds that they will recite when they gather together and when they celebrate the scripture. But the idea that God is present or that the God hears our cry. I mean, we have all of these things at at our disposal to invoke, to call upon. And it's not that they are different things. They are the identities of our one God. And then I want to offer this to you as we close. Do you think that there's any significance or any reason or importance? Or do you think it's just casual coincidence that it would be very important what Jesus' name was to be called. That an angelic messenger would come to Mary and say, and his name's going to be Jesus. It's very important that you don't name him Robert. Even if it's a family name. I mean, we ought to take note of that. That Okay, now I'm seeing a pattern here that this name that belongs to God is very important. Why? Because the priests are anointed to call upon that name in order to invoke that name so that there will be blessing among the people. Jesus, and his name will be Jesus. It's the name above every other name. To pronounce it as it is written is Yeshua. It has been translated for us, Jesus. I I pray in the name of Jesus all the time. I know people that will only say Yeshua, but I I know that, uh, that... uh, there's nothing wrong with using the word Jesus. In fact, we, we sang songs in, in Oklahoma. One of the songs I helped write, it was called Yahweh. And, and people got up and left. They thought we were a cult because we didn't just say God. It's like, well, okay, well, God is an English word, but Yahweh is, is a Hebrew name, you know, Yeshua. Yeshua is, is the, the pronunciation, it would be like Joshua. It means the salvation of our God. No wonder that would be the name above all else. Because no matter what you need, no matter what you're invoking the name of God for, at the end of the day, it's simply deliverance from some affliction. And all of God's identity, that He would bail us out of hunger, that He would bail us out of thirst, that He would bail us out of disease, that He would bail us out of want and lack, that He would make provision, that He would be healer, that He would be living water, and that He would be the bread of life, that He would identify Himself of all of these things, is to identify that He will save. And it's why the name Yeshua is the name above all others. And I think about shoveling that rock and being so distracted by that, and I praise God that I could be snapped out of it by someone saying, excuse me, do you have a minute? And that in that moment, we could invoke the name Yeshua. Father, you've heard the cry of your son, his desire to see deliverance for the one that he loves. May the Lord bless him. May the Lord fill him with hope. May you fill him with all uh, uh, a celebration of the life that you've called uh, him to, his brother to, his family to. May you bless him with the full knowledge of Jesus. To begin to invoke the name of Jesus, to call upon the name of the Lord, to open up the door for blessing, that's the call on my life. It's the call on your life. I want to offer this to you, and I know that it might sound odd, but I want you to think about it, and only in context with this message. I think it's time to stop being Christians and start being priests. And please don't quote that out of context with this message. The reality is, as we have been called by Jesus, as we have been introduced into the the heavenly kingdom of God, as we have called upon God as our Father and He has received us as His children, we have been purchased to be priests, to function and operate marked by the anointing as those who would invoke the name of the Lord in order that those around us might be blessed. I want to ask you to stand with me. I want to pray for us this morning. And we've touched on parts of this message before, but I want this to become such a reality to us. And I'm telling you, I was reminded by the, the events of this past week in my life. I've mentioned to you before that I, I think our, our personal life has a, a corporate purpose. You know, the things you witness and experience, they, they, there's more than just you that is involved in those things. And this week, this was a, a, a need for me to be reminded that there's more to my life than, than ta- tasks and duties and invoices and bills, but that there's a call to function and operate on the earth as a priest to the Most High God. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do something in us, and I, I, it'll probably be different in each one of us because we have different needs, but to touch it in our hearts to soften our hearts to embrace that reality that we're called to be priests, to renew our minds, that any old ways of thinking that need to go can go, and that we can embrace the scripture. I want to ask him, will you teach me how to invoke your name so that blessing will be the result? Give me wisdom from your word. Give me direction and counsel. Lead me by your spirit. I want that not only for me, but for you as well. And I want to trust God for great results. So there where you're at, You're welcome to be in agreement or simply in a state of receiving. I want to pray and ask God to do these things for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the direction that you provide. We thank you for the love and the affection that you reveal to us in the sending of our King Jesus. We thank you for his obedience. We thank you for his exaltation that he is enthroned forevermore to rule and reign. We rejoice in the call that you've placed upon our lives, upon our being purchased by his blood to be priests in your house. I ask, Father, in Jesus' name, will you do a work in my heart, in the hearts of those here, in my mind and in the minds of those here to embrace that call to function and to operate as a priest unto you. Will you teach us how to invoke your name? That we wouldn't simply stumble upon Uh, uh, these things, but that we would be led into them, that you would raise us up. You are a good father and you raise your children in the way they should go. And we are here surrendered to you asking, Father, raise us up in the way that we should go. Show us in your word, teach us, lead us and guide us. We repent for squandering the anointing. Let it be embraced and celebrated as you've called us to function and as you've called us to operate. Let it be so that we might invoke Your name on the people of this earth and that we might see a release of Your blessings that would draw men and women unto You, that would lead them to glorify Your name, that would expand Your kingdom and destroy the works of the devil. Let us awaken every morning with the full knowledge and understanding that Your Spirit is upon us because You have anointed us to do all of the things that You have called us to do Everything set before our eyes by our King Jesus, let His life be an example to us how we are called to live. And let every distraction that would take our eyes off of this priority, let it be cast away. And let us embrace the truth that You have purchased us with the highest price so that we might be priests unto You. We give You thanks for this, and we trust fully that You will lead us and guide us into the full measure of priesthood for the expansion of your kingdom, for the glory of your name, and for the fulfillment of our call. We bless your name and thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at ChampsChurch.com.